0: Gracias a Gerardo el Tata Martino, un técnico que ha mostrado una capacidad cero, nos quedamos en la fase de grupos. It's a failure, it's a fracaso for
1: Mexican soccer. El mexicano merecía que fuera del mundial, no, pero it was too little, too late.
2: Los resultados son los que mandan. La situación de un fracaso como ha venido ahorita es prácticamente imposible
3: que, que pudiera continuar. Yo no lo veo
2: como una presión. O sea, soy el técnico de la selección nacional de México. Eh. Is
4: Diego Coca the right hire
1: for El Tri. No. If I'm a fan, I'm disheartened by what I've seen.
4: And you would hope for a home run swing. This is certainly not that. First set piece opportunity here,
1: Rodriguez. Yes!
4: Live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez and Sebi Salazar on what is a CONCACAF Nations League night, Herc. But first things first, what are you wearing? Because
1: it is beautiful. Thank you, uh, my good friends at Maba. That's right. They sent me a jersey. The Oakland Roots actually mm. sent me one as well. This one got first. Uh, this one got here first. Uh, there might be one for you. I don't know if they make children's large, Yes, though. yes. The same
4: joke over and over again. We
1: know. No, because I said I'm you small. before. Now it's children's large.
4: Okay. Uh, Detroit City. So we got a lot of USL Ooh. representation uh, on the gear here on Football Americas tonight. Episode 232, Hercules Gomez. By the way, coming up, Mauricio Pedrosa. Moments away from joining us. Full reaction as Mexico and Suriname just wrapped up in the CONCACAF Nations League. We've, of course, heard, of course, got the latest on Balagan Watch. The guy. All are in Baligan. right now in Orlando. Actually, tonight he was at the Orlando Magic game. Is that it's correct? It's an official we'll
1: have... visit. He's doing the tour.
4: <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Just like in the NCAA. Yes. We've got your ideal 11 for tomorrow's U.S. game against Grenada. We're going to get to that a little bit mm-hmm. later in the mm-hmm. show. And then an NWSL season preview the NWSL season kicking off this weekend. But let's start, Herc, with the highlights of the game that, as we just mentioned moments ago, wrapped up between Mexico and Suriname. Suriname, by the way, a team that you've been talking about a lot of late. Hey, shout out Caramelo. He's uh, everywhere and usually with a sponsor. Seven minutes in here, Piojo Alvarado. First uh, half chance for Mexico. Draws a good save from the Suriname goalie.
1: Yeah, look where Reyes is. Reyes is the guy who plays it back to him, that little wall pass right there. It's a good shot forces to save, but uh, hold up here, Seb.
4: Yep, speaking of saves, Carlos Acevedo called into action.
1: I mean, this was the first half for Mexico. They were second best at everything. They reacted instead of being proactive, and give up a shot like that. Acevedo, he does that very well in between the sticks. He's there.
4: More from Suriname 20 minutes later. Hilterman, this guy was a problem all night. Hard shot, Acevedo holds on.
1: Yeah, keep an eye on Kevin Alvarez. That right-hand side was a problem the first half for Mexico.
4: Is this your guy Becker, Geraldo Becker?
1: Geraldo Becker pulling the strings. Actually, one of the guys pulling the strings, my other man Diego in the center of the midfield, who's 35, by the way, he doesn't look it into the second half.
4: Still scoreless. Huge chance for Suriname Hurt. They go over the bar.
1: Yeah, Geraldo Becker doing very well. This is a good ball in. It's weak side. Julian Arajo goes to the nearest defender, as he should right there. Naked and exposed on the second hand backside, and they miss.
4: All right, so Mexico's in trouble. How are they going to break through like they always do? A set-piece goal, right?
1: Yeah, who, maybe. Who are, we giving credit? who are we giving credit to here? W- well, well, maybe a shade offside or not. It doesn't matter in yeah. the end, I guess. But uh, that would be, I guess, Charlie's goal. Don't know if Johan touched it.
4: Mexico looking for a second. Uriel Antuna, pretty clear penalty here, yeah?
1: Yeah, this is what Uriel Antuna does though. I mean, he's very frustrating to watch at times because he has endless opportunities, Mm -hmm. but he can create something like that.
4: So, Santiago Jimenez, surely gonna, no. No. Mm. Are, are the stats correct on this first competitive miss penalty for Santi Jimenez, incredible. Still 1-0 Mexico, 74th minute, another chance for Mexico, just wide.
1: Yeah, it's Julian Araujo who was very bright when he came in, especially defensively, got on the offensive third right there, had an opportunity, and Mexico started coming to life. They did, and in the 82nd
4: minute, Mexico would find a second. Uriel Antuna.
1: Yeah, and this is what I'm talking about with Uriel Antuna. He can create so much. I understand he's a frustrating player, but there's a reason so many coaches have vouched for him, have let him have those opportunities and continue to give him those opportunities.
4: Ah, there we see Diego Linas did get in uh, off the bench from Mexico in the 2-0 win. I know a guy who had Mexico plus two and a half. Herc, not very happy in this one. Not very happy as uh, Mexico does pick up the three points in CONCAC. You had two and a
1: half? Nations. I took the Mexico win in Elite the under at two and a half. They paid well. Uh,
4: I should've listened to you. You were very high on Suriname, uh, as you always are. All right, for more on this game, great to welcome into the show, as we often do when we talk about L3, our good friend Mauricio Pedrosa, who looks right now, that look on his face is about how I feel uh, on the inside, That's his normal so look. let's let's yeah, because he has to work with you. Uh. Let's get right to it, Mal. <laughs> let's get right to it, Mal.
0: What's Every your grade
4: day. for Diego Coca's debut here as manager of El
0: Uh B minus. What's up, guys? B minus. I wasn't I wasn't expecting much. I just wanted to see the basics done right, and I don't think we got to see that, especially in the last stretch of the first half with. I, never, I, I posted this on Twitter. I never expected to say this. Suriname was bailando a Mexico. They were really the better team in that final stretch of the first half. So how are you giving uh, them a B-? Really minus? pay attention to that. Well, because, again, because I wasn't expecting much. Mm-hmm. We're still seeing shades of what Tata Martino left behind in this team. And I know most of these players were not regulars under Tata Martino, but the dynamics were just the same. Uh, he didn't twist much. It's, it's not like Diego Coca really created a revolution inside that locker room. He played a very basic formation. Every player in their own position, which is good. But I was not expecting to see much. I mean, how many days have these guys been training under uh, Diego Coca? Um, and and my expectation is that with the with the following games in the next months, maybe a year, we will see something different. Hmm. Uh, individual performances, not great. I think, again, uh, Alvarado and Antuna on the perform. Charlie Rodriguez has a chance to be a starter on this team. But I thought, and I spoke with Herg about this, there was a lot of pressure on Santiago Jimenez. I know we'll talk individuals, but in terms of what Diego Coca had to do, P-minus, not the worst, not the best, First game, not really too much time to work. I will not make a scandal out of this game. In the end, good W. And now I'll go back home and play Jamaica. Herc, you any tougher here?
1: B minus? Uh, I give him a C minus. And that may be a little bit harsh considering they 1-2-0 could have been 3-0 with the missed penalty kick. But Diego Coca does something, did something you should never do and most coaches fall trap to. Just shut up. Keep your mouth closed. Because the moment you start saying what you wanna do and you start promising things, well, we're gonna hold you to it. He said the form mattered. He said the result wasn't as important as, as las formas. The play had to be good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, those first 45 minutes were worse than anything I saw in the Tata Martino era. They were that bad. No, and you can see no, what no, you no. want about the European players that weren't there. But they had domestic players in Torreón and the TSM when they played Suriname last time as well. And there was a missed penalty kick in that game. It wasn't this bad. The first half was as bad as I see Mexico play mm. in mm. recent memory. That whole right-hand side, and we'll get into individual performances for Mexico, abysmal. There were some performances today that if it was later on in the cycle, last cycle in that stretch, you would have never seen those players again. So it's a C-minus. You got the win. 2-0. You should win. But because he opened his mouth and said it matters how you play, that wasn't indicative of how Mexico should play. You could say whatever you want if you're Dago Coca. Just don't say it matters how you play. What matters is how you win.
0: Mal, quick rebuttal. So, I understand why Diego Coca said what he said. I believe results, number one, form, number two. If anyone was expecting to see a good performance in terms of form, Matt, nuts, crazy. I mean, we were not going to see that with this team with so little time to train. So, I think Eric's being really, really, really harsh. Really, really
1: harsh on Diego Coca. Is it because the opponent or because you do not expect any out of Mexico? I hate
4: to agree with Herc here, but everything you could apply that you're saying about Mexico, they haven't been together, it applies to Suriname as well, Mal, right?
0: Yeah, but we're not focusing on Suriname right now. <laughs> and it's not like Mexico played the worst game. Again, mm-hmm. Herc is saying, Herc is very disappointed because of what Diego Coca said. And he didn't like the form. No, I no. didn't like it either, I hold, but I was I not expecting standard, it for this game. The standard game. that he said. If, if now, a year, a year from today, Things look like that, then yes, we have all the right to be tough on Diego Coca, oh, not no. after the that's first That's why game. he got
1: a C minus. That's not a D and it's not an F, because okay. at the end of the day, these are new players. And if we want a generational change, if that's what we're asking for, because I think that's what everybody's asking for, you're gonna take your lumps. But please. Give credit to Suriname, they played very well, but none of this, they all play in Europe. They play in the Budapest, they play, some of those players play in Budapest, Cyprus, uh, first and second division in Cyprus, by the way, first and second division in the Eredivisie, only one player in the Eredivisie, an MLS player, one Bundesliga player, Sheraldo Becker, a player in Greece, one in Sweden. There are levels to Europe, and you could say what you want about them out, but Sebi's right. Everything you're applying to Mexico, oh, they've only been together so many days. <laughs> That's what we gotta say about Suriname as well.
4: Sorry, I blacked out. Did he just say Sebi's right? Yes. I blacked out. What, what happened? Uh, all right, I don't know about you guys. B minus, C minus, pretty good where I come from. This was bad to me. This felt like watching Tata Martino's Mexico in World Cup qualifying. And unlike you, Mal, I was hoping to see something different. Maybe that's unrealistic, but I was hoping to see something different. For that, yeah. I'm I'm giving it a D minus, man. Ooh. We 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 saw we saw wow. no intensity, and frankly, <laughs> wow. against an opponent that Mexico should dominate. Okay, you, you don't bring intensity against Suriname. I can kind of understand that. We should at least see quality, guys. And we did not, we did not see quality from this Mexico team. So, um, if you're gonna tell me that that's a, worth a B minus, I wanna go to school where you went to school, Mal, because whoo, that's, that's, that's an easy, easy grade, easy grade. All right, let's get to the, the big Fair. questions here. Fair, it, it, Three questions here, the, the big three questions coming off this uh, Mexico 2-0 win over Suriname. First. Let's talk strategy, overall strategy, because Diego Coca decided in this window to basically split his roster. Was dividing the roster here for L3 the right decision, Mao by Diego Coca?
0: Yeah, it was the right decision. Um, there was no point in making many players make that double trouble coming all the way from Europe. I know Santiago Jimenez had... The, the possibility of just taking a straight flight to Suriname, that was a different case, but I thought it was a good idea. A lot of people are uh, in disbelief. that Why is he calling 30-some players for this international break? Well, because he has to see them. This is his first international break as the Mexican national team manager. And if we want to see a generational change for this team, then the manager has to see a lot of players. So I thought it was a good idea to take one team to play to Suriname and then leaving the other team behind, making them train together, get some more extra reps, and then play them at Estadio Azteca against Jamaica. So in this specific scenario, I thought it was a good idea.
1: Turk, You don't split the team up. You don't make it a case where there's an A team and there's a B team. If you want to see how these young players react on the field, also see how they interact with these veterans. It's very important in the locker room. And I don't want to hear this about Diego Coca needed to see them. Diego coca has been in Mexican football for quite some time, okay? He's been coaching there for years. He sees these players week in and week out. He goes now that he's a national team coach to every single game. He talks to the players. He talks to the European players, get them all together. It could have been a scenario and they were very lucky. If Surinam puts that chance away, one of those chances they had in the first 50, 55 minutes, it's a different game. It's a much different game. And we're having an Austin FC versus the Alet situation here. We're having an arrogance. This is arrogance. You didn't treat it right situation here. And everything Diego Coca did not want to happen would have happened. The pressure would have been immense if he didn't get a result this game. It almost backfired on him. You have to see these players with the big players. You have to unify the group and see how they interact. You can't just say A team, B team, and try to get away with it.
4: It's a risk because Mexico is not that deep. Mexico should be deep enough in theory to be able to have two teams that could compete at the CONCACAF Nations League level, I would think. But if we look back over the last, I don't know, year, I don't think you can look at that Mexican player pool and say that it's deep enough to really split the roster. It's a little bit of a, uh, a built-in excuse for him if things go wrong here. But I-, I like it at the end of the day, because if we remember one of the things we talked about a lot with Data Martino, guys, was the relationships with European clubs. I got to think that yeah. that's behind some of yeah. this, right? That's behind some of this, managing Edson Alvarez, Chucky Lozano, some, some of those relationships. Well, if Mexico can have better relationships with European
0: clubs, uh, it could go a long way, because we know I'm that sure wasn't Feinart the case last time. I'm excited. he played on and, it, and, it, and it's not only the clubs; it's also the relationship with the players. Let's mm. remember, this is the this is the final stretch in European clubs once they go back and start playing with the, with the respective clubs. So, players like Chucky Lozano, maybe champion of Italy, uh, Edson Alvarez fighting to catch Santiago Jimenez, and we already explained in Santiago Jimenez how different that scenario is. So that's also the, that that relationship with his own players. I understand where Eric is coming from with do not split the team, having worked together. There will be some other opportunities for that. There will be an entire summer playing Gold Cup it and League to, to achieve that. But Wait for right now, right <laughs> now for this specific window, it was actually a very, very good idea to do what they just, but to, to do what they just did. All right. Next up for Mexico,
4: Jamaica. Based on what we saw tonight, or maybe what we didn't see tonight. Who deserves to start against Jamaica for L3? Mau?
0: None. None of them. <laughs> no well, one. Well, you gave him a B-. minus. I you to mean, start? Of them? Half the team should yes. get a start Yeah, then. but I mean, in terms of deserve, but that's why I said individual performances were not great. Is that all on Diego Coca? No. And we were grading Diego Coca the as team. the manager. So th- the it's, a, it's, a, it's two, two different things. Two different things. Individual performances were not great. But the idea, Diego Coca's idea, I thought that was the right idea. That's why I gave him a B-. minus. But none of these players showed something special. Uh, we all know what's going on in terms of who's going to be the goalkeeper. That's still going to be Memo Choa. It's fine that Carlos Acevedo has an eventual opportunity like today. But in the end, I don't want to see any of these guys starting for the Mexican national team for a crucial match. And I'm not calling the Jamaica match Mm. a crucial match. But in the end, I'm very happy to see a completely different starting 11 so that Diego Coca can show us his idea. And finally, finally, Herc is satisfied with the form of the Mexican national team with the
1: A team. Mauricio says that he wouldn't call it a crucial match uh, against Jamaica, I would call any match in El Estadio Azteca a crucial match for the Mexican national team, given the circumstance, given what we saw the whole cycle and how they played. Speaking in El Estadio as a fan, Osteca. no, no, as a pundit, because there's a major disconnect.
0: <laughs> no, that was that was that was speaking as a fan. Like every every game at the Estadio Azteca is important. No, no, they're not. No, no they're no, not. Not every game is oh. a crucial game at Estadio Azteca. Okay, okay. That's that's the that's a fan. I- I'm that's sure fan I'm talking. sure that's
1: something that no player, no coach, and no pundit would say. If you ask any fan, actually, they would tell you every match there would be crucial. Now, here's the thing. Mal. Oh, they don't always he, tell the here's truth. The believe thing, me. Now, you're talking about <laughs> Memo Ochoa and how that's not going to happen. This is the if there's only one winner today, it's Carlos Acevedo, and that's a reality. Everybody else, and maybe Juliana Araujo to an extent, wow. and the players that came off the bench. As far as the starters, it's only Acevedo. You look at the Mexican players that played. There was a clear lack of confidence. Physicality. It wasn't even comparable. They looked half a step slower to every player in Suriname. Not only physically, but speed of thought as well. And they looked scared. They looked like they were playing scared. Every 50-50 ball, they came out. They lost almost every 50-50 ball. They looked like they were hesitant to even t- uh, get into the attack because in transition, they would get, get be, excuse me, they looked not ready. So, while you may say no player is ready, Acevedo may be ready for another start. In Jamaica, or sorry, in El Estadio Azteca versus Jamaica, it's absolutely crucial that they have a better showing. Man,
4: Acevedo, eh? I thought I saw him as kind of shaky in this game. He had a lot of action. Mm. Obviously, Cleans a, a, a clean sheet, but he was I felt okay. like there was some shaky yeah. <laughs> moments. I, I deserve, to say he deserves I mean, I a start. I thought he was
0: okay. I mean, he—he's. Sorry, Seb, go. No, I—I I, I just think it's—it's a, it's a bit much. Go ahead, Mal. No, I was just gonna say n- no one was expecting Carlos Acevedo to see this many action, right? That was—that was the thing. Regardless, if he was man of the match. Mm. Guillermo Ochoa is the goalkeeper of the Mexican yeah. national team. So it doesn't matter how, how good he is. We all know who's starting the, the big games, the crucial games. Because not yeah. every game is a crucial game. I think specifically,
4: if I might point out, I don't want to see anybody repeated from that midfield. Uh, midfield was a problem under Tata Martino. That three tonight did not work, did not work at all. So if, if nobody deserves a start, definitely nobody in that midfield three. Please give me a totally new midfield three uh, in the game against Jamaica. Last question. Let's talk tactics. Let's talk formations. We saw Mexico in a 4-3-3 again tonight. Same thing we pretty much saw for the entirety under Tata Martino. New manager, same look. Does Mexico
0: need a formation change here, Mal? Yes. The reason why Diego Coca is a Mexican national team coach is because he implemented a very good system at Atlas and it delivered two league titles in a row atlas first title in almost 70 years and that's playing uh a line of five defenders three in the middle two attackers Mm. i believe that he changes the system to that specific formation mexico can see results i believe they can play with three center backs two fast wingers Three really solid guys in the middle and we all want to see Santiago Jimenez and Henry Martin playing together. Diego Coca is not the manager because he played aggressive football, 4-3-3. What do I know? He had a very specific way of playing that actually delivered and worked. So that thing that made him a champion on back-to-back seasons, that's exactly what I want to see implementing in the Mexican national team.
1: Hmm. You know what's funny? Diego, he never mentioned what style matters. He just mentioned that style matters. It's, it's important that you play well. He didn't say what is playing well. So Mao's right. This back line of five with two up top, it was a very defensive system, and they countered very well with two very good players up top. Julio Furch, who's an absolute tree. He's an animal. He's very physical presence. Mm-hmm. And then there's a Julián Quiñones. And Quiñones is one of the fastest players that we have in this region. A very direct player, a player that Mexico doesn't have in their pool. So if you wanna play that way, maybe you'd have to maybe call up some of those type of players that I don't think exist today in this pool that could represent Mexico. But, Mal's right. Diego Coca's not going to play a 4-3-3. He's not going to be good for you in a 4-3-3. That's never how he's deployed his team. That's never how he's played. That's never how he's felt comfortable. So, ask him to do it at this level, mm. that can be a, a big no-no. Herc, real quick on Mouse's point about, about seeing two up top, right? Because I feel like
4: no matter what we see, especially tonight, you have kind of the, the lone ranger striker. Do you, do you like Mouse's suggestion, Henry Martin, Santiago Jimenez, as a two-man workforce up top?
1: I don't mind it. The, the good thing there is they're, they're not like-for-like. Like. Santi Jimenez is much more mobile. He's much more direct. He, he's a lot faster. Uh, he could also play that back to goal, but mm. I don't necessarily think I like him back to goal like I do Henry. Henry's mm. a much more of a bulldozer tank type. Uh, and, and Henry's got qualities that could benefit the other, but they're not like-for-like like in the terms of Quiñones and Furchet. I just told you. There's a big, big disparity in the two sets of players there. Just style. You can say what you want about quality, but just style, mm. they're very different.
0: Yeah. But, Go ahead, Mal. If, if they play two guys up front, the race is Chucky Lozano mm. and either Henry Martin yep. or Santiago Jimenez. Yeah. Lozano and maybe you would throw Antuna in there, probably
4: the closest to a Quiñones if you had to make that comparison. So uh, I can see why why you make up make the point there, Mal. Well, in Mexico's pool. In Mexico's pool in terms of guys that can give yes. you some. Until some it's Quiñones college. and
1: Forge that have Mexican you, citizenship.
0: You know, I'm no I'm no Antuna fan, so every time you yes. bring up his name. I know, I know. It hurts, to it hurts me too, it hurts me too, but hey. Oh my God, something, got something a happens.
4: Earned a penalty, drew a penalty tonight, so, uh, so there you no got goal. it. There you and go, well.
0: exactly. Good for him. Hooray.
4: All right, uh, Mauricio Pedrosa, uh, great to have you with us here on Football Americas. We will see you tomorrow on Ahora Nunca, correct?
0: That's right. Tomorrow right. I'll see you
4: alongside Herc. All right, hey guys. Uh, great stuff. Best show on ESPN Deportes, hands down. Ahora nunca, make sure to check it out. Check this out. League A, Group A of the CONCACAF Nations League. Mexico, Jamaica, and Suriname. Suriname Mexico. gets relegated, no? Uh, looks like it, yeah. Mexico, uh, with those three points, have clinched at least a spot in the Gold Cup. Uh, And looking to clinch the top spot in the group in the finals against Jamaica.
5: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash network all lowercase go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash network now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team
2: It was now or never. Paul Ariella. Sliding in through.
1: Another
2: chance. For this one <laughs> takes. Seven days a week. Been working, 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 seven days a week. Been as far as <laughs>
4: Men's national team training in Florida today ahead of Friday's clash with Grenada in CONCACAF. Nations League action. It's the first competitive match for the U.S. since the World Cup. Also the first competitive match under Anthony Hudson, the new interim manager, taking over. In place of Greg Berhalter, team traveling tonight to Grenada. This is, of course, a showdown in Group D. U.S. currently a second in Group D in the Nations League. They need one point over their next two games to clinch a Gold Cup ticket. Two points over their next two games to win the group and earn that spot in the finals later this summer. Let's hear from camp first from Christian Pulisic on his fitness and then from Anthony Hudson on the US and their style of play.
6: Yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm feeling healthy. Uh, Like you said, I was able to, you know, come back, make a couple appearances uh, at club, at club level. And uh, yeah, even get a start before I came here. And uh, yeah, uh, the injuries, you know, recovered well. Knee is feeling good and yeah, ready to go and and hopefully be a part of uh, both of these matches.
2: Yeah, and I would say for us, look, I think we... You know, the last three or four years, there's been, and I've said this many times, um, a lot of good work has been done, okay, by obviously the previous uh, coach, Greg did a great job. The staff, I thought the players did an excellent job at the World Cup. Um, And we are just focused on progressing it. You know, we want to play uh, the same style of play of, of how we've been doing things. We, we, we just want to progress it. That's where we're
4: at. All right, so here's Herc's ideal 11 versus Grenade on Friday night. Uh, quickly, Herc, why don't you hit on the guys that we're not about to focus on? Just run through them real quick while you chose them.
1: All right, Anthony Robinson-Dest, uh, going to go with the uh, secure back line. Miles Robinson, I want to see him back in the mix. He was one of the better defenders before his injury, so I'd like to mm-hmm. see him. Now with what would be a first-choice uh, back line, and also... Uh, players like Musa and uh, Pulisic. I wanna see those guys in the mix.
4: All right. Because Uh, we're gonna
1: talk about a few others.
4: Yes, yeah, nice 11 there. I like that back line. I like the Tim Ream, Miles Robinson combination there at the back. All right, so let's start actually in goal, shall we? There we go. Uh, How secure do you think Matt Turner's spot is? Because we got some other guys in camp that are playing pretty well and have some some hype, some buzz around them.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. No, this is his to lose. It, it, that's the situation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, stellar World Cup posted two clean sheets. It's something that's not been done since like the 1930 World Cup by a U.S. men's national team goalkeeper. Uh, he's really coming into his own. That move to Arsenal has really lifted him to a higher level. And, and right now, I, honestly, from being a World Cup goalkeeper, the, the starter, number one player, to you, who you see is backing mm-hmm. him up, I think there's a, a level in between the other two. That's really? a reality, yeah. I think Zach Steppen's coming into his own right now, but this is Matt Turner's to lose. He
4: didn't have his best game in the first leg of the Europa League tie against Sporting. He gets benched in the second leg. At this point, I mean, I don't see too many more appearances for him this season. I think he's going to end up with seven or eight. Like, how worried were you about that benching when it comes to Turner? Because that's really your concern, right? You look at a guy like well, Steffen. No, that was he's, your concern. He's, it He's wasn't playing my concern well right me. now.
1: I didn't think it was a concern for Steffen. And... Apparently the role switched, you know? So that's for you. Um, it didn't concern me because I don't think goalkeepers are, are regular yep. players. You know, And in terms like that, I think it's not necessarily you have to play every single game. You can mimic the, yep. the opportunities. You can mimic the game-like situations a lot more than you could for a field player. And I don't know how you can take the position away from Matt Turner today. It's really yep. his to lose.
4: Yeah, there's a reality next season where Zach Steffens, a starter in the Premier League, and maybe
1: Matt Turner isn't, but
4: uh, that's a reality for, for next season. Let's move on. Number six, because I thought the obvious and really the only Tyler Adams replacement in this roster was, was Johnny. Johnny Cardozo. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought that's what you were going to do. Obviously, right. you didn't. So, nope. so talk me through the decision-making there in the midfield and what you're looking at.
1: Well, it goes... In play with the opponents, Uh, last time these two played, it was 5-0 for the U.S. uh, men's national team. Actually, Jesus Ferreira dropped the poker. You're going to have more of the ball. So if you're going to have more of the ball, you don't need somebody, a midfielder, sitting and protecting that back line so much. I'm actually doing a triple uh, midfield right there. Uh, It's going to be like a piston. So... Two go, one stays. One always protects. And it's ever fluid. Luca De La Torre, Weston McKinney. You also have Eunice Musa. There is no, you're the set man, you stay. Because as we know with Weston McKinney, that's going to be very difficult. He's got that instinct to go, to hunt, to go look for the ball, to be that box to box. Luca De La Torre can play make from a deep position so he could also sit in there. And Eunice likes to drive, but he's technical and tactical enough to know that he can sit if the other two are there. So it's a fluid midfield, and because I think they're gonna have the majority of the, or the lion's share of the right. ball, um, you don't need that natural six. If this was a game where you probably wouldn't have the lion's share of the ball, do you have
4: a clear answer for who that next number six is? if it's not Tyler Adams? Because I'm assuming you're not playing this way uh, in that type of matchup, right?
1: Honestly, if, if it's not Tyler Adams and you're still undecisive with a Johnny Cardoso and it's Callan Acosta's not in the mix, I would explore a, a more tactical coach would probably explore the possibilities of playing with the line at three and having Tim Ream step mm. into the midfield because I think he's that good, that technical with the ball. Something that actually Rafa Marquez used to do a lot with Barcelona and the Mexican national team at times. So I would explore that option, but I don't think you have anybody that's a like for like for Tyler Adams. All right, let's get to the uh, the million dollar question, shall we? Because I
4: see you've put Gio Reyna in your starting lineup. It makes a lot of sense, right? Especially with Tim Weah, a late injury scratch because of the concussion concerns. If Weah was in this camp, would Reyna still be a starter?
1: Yeah, he would for me.
4: Over Tim Weah, really?
1: Well, Listen, Gio Reyna is a starter in my mind In in any lineup for the US Men's National Team I think his ceiling that big The situation with Gio Reyna has never been about his quality It's never been about the actual play It's been about Gio Reyna staying fit And the fiasco he had at the World Cup Was him acting out like a petulant child And they worked through those problems The players, Gio Reyna And per all accounts, per all reports Mm -hmm. They moved on from it It was the adults that didn't move on. It was his parents, the Reynas. It was the Berhalters and that drama and how he got sucked in. So now he's in a situation where Gio Reyna, if he's in this lineup, the only worry I have is his psyche because that's a lot. How he will be treated, how he thinks he may be treated on the field or by his teammates or the insecurities that can come with it. But Gio Reyna, just talent alone, if he's healthy, he's yeah. in any lineup you can possibly think of for the U.S. men's national team. And also multiple positions, because per Paul Tenario, yep. he's been deployed as a center midfielder in this camp. Yeah,
4: so it was interesting, right? Because, like, I think maybe after the World Cup, when you started looking at Gio Reyna coming and playing at Dortmund, you were like, all right, he's on fire. But then, basically, there's been nothing but DNP since then, almost like from, from red hot to ice cold. Is this a player... and? As a form player, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say this that, like, independent of form,
1: he has to play. Well, I don't think form's ever been an issue with Gio Reyna. It's been injury. I mean, would you? Can you think of an right era now, where recent, it form? Yeah,
4: in the in the last month or so, right? In the last month or so, he's been fit. He's been on the bench, but he's been a, a an unused sub. So he's right. available but not playing. That to me would suggest a dip in form. Certainly after the the hot start when he came back from the World Cup. What you're saying is this guy's so good that. Even when his form's down, you got to play him. Yeah,
1: you're saying his form. I don't think it's a dip in form. I think there's something else there. Either something that at Dortmund they think it's physical, so independent of even playing time, he should play. If he's healthy, he's in my lineup at this CONCACAF level, absolutely. Okay. If you're thinking because after scoring three goals, he didn't crack the lineup for four. Uh, games for Borussia Dortmund, who were the hottest team in the world at the time. I think they've only lost once since the new year. That that excludes him from a CONCACAF lineup. But I think Giovanni Reina and his ceiling are in any, any lineup you can think of for the U.S. men's national team. All
4: right. Whether it's uh, out wide or in midfield, we shall see. What about the number nine position? Only two real number nines, target guys uh, in this camp, Daryl Dike and Ricardo Pepe. You went with Pepe and his goals in the Eredivisie over D.K. and his goals in the championship. Why?
1: Listen, Ricardo Pepe's already been part of this program, and he's been an important player in this program. He should have been to Qatar. He should have gone to Qatar. Let's start there. He's a player that actually, in the first window, saved Greg job. He's a player that comes on against Honduras, changes the face of this game, uh, goes from being a... Two-point window to a five-point window when they were all saying they wanted nine points and nothing else. He's a very important player. in the final third of player with the capabilities of associating and and interchanging and and combination play and the finishing ability, left foot, right foot, with his head, decent speed, the hold-up play. I just think he's a much more complete player right now than a Daryl Deacon. And they're both in great form. But Mm -hmm. Ricardo Pepe, the only time we saw his form dip? was when he went to Osberg, was when he was in the Bundesliga. Before and since, you could make a case that he's not, stopped scoring goals. So this is a player I'd like to capitalize on and he knows the program.
4: Ricardo Pepe, nine goals in 21 in the Dutch top flight. Uh, DK, seven goals in 19 in the championship. Three assists for Pepe, just one for Daryl DK. Herka, is the meme appropriate here? Why not both? Would you like to see uh, two up front for the
1: U.S. Who do you sacrifice? Is it Giovanni Reina? Mm, is it shout. Christian Pulisic? Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, I really think this 4-3-3 is probably the best suited for this team, especially in transition. Uh, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a time for Daryl Dike. Right. Absolutely. A player with his traits, a player with those yep. intangibles. <clears throat> There'll be a need for him. Okay, so there we have it.
4: Uh, Ricardo Pepe and Daryl DK, the two number nines, in camp for the U.S. men's national team as they get set for CONCACAF Nations League action tomorrow night against Grenada. All right, Eric, let's move on to Balogun Watch, an eventful week for following and Balogun, the 21-year-old Brooklyn, New York native who's eligible to represent England, the U.S., Nigeria. He's represented... England and the United States, of course, at youth national team level, 17 goals in league on this season on loan from Arsenal. Last show, we told you that England and Gareth Southgate, they passed on the chance to call him up to their senior camp. Since then, Balligan has pulled out of England's under-21 camp due to an injury. And then he flew across the Atlantic Ocean to Orlando. Uh, where the U.S. team, of course, <laughs> is training. Shout out to a bevy of Internet sleuths. I'll try and get to all of them. Uh, at Burner USMNT, your guy, uh, tactical manager Herc down there in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, at CONCACAF Edgar. And then my guy at Tim Chase, the grass man. There uh, you go. He's finding out exactly where, the, where everybody's training. So great stuff from from US fans, obviously uh, US fans are buzzing, players are buzzing. What about the English side? Uh, We're gonna hear from Anthony Hudson, Christian Pulisic on the US side, and Lee Carsley, England's under 21 coach, all on the Balogun saga.
2: I think it's, it's, you know, every time uh, or any contact we have with Flo he's very connected to what we're doing. Um, He's been an integral part of our campaign. Uh, He's our leading goal scorer. Really looking forward to having him back with us in the summer. Um, and like I say, he's, he's never given us any, any um, you know, we, we've never had any, any opportunity to question why he wouldn't want to continue that. But, you know, I think it's, it's something that we need to, you know, we're aware of and we need to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's, he's, um, as I said before, we've, we've, we've had dialogue, we've spoken. Uh, he's out here, you know, having a bit of a break and, and some training and we've had some discussions um so yeah we're you know now it's about him just enjoying the rest of his trip
6: no so obviously i've seen that he's in florida i haven't really spoken to him personally but i know some of the you know some of the guys that know him you know from previous you know teams or, or whatever have reached out to him and, and spoken to him so um obviously from our side you know we'd we love to have him. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I haven't had any, any any conversations with him personally, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully in the near future. All right, some
4: subtle, uh, maybe not so subtle, Cheshire cat grins there from uh, hey, Christian it's boggling, language, right? and right. Anthony Hudson. Yeah, hey, they're excited about it. Uh, so are we. We were pretty optimistic on Monday, Herc, uh, but after the last, let's say, 48 hours, England, U.S., Nigeria, who do you think now has the upper hand in the balligan sweep state? Did
1: you see the Orlando Magic Twitter handle? He's on, he's courtside taking a picture with the Orlando Magic jerseys. They jersey gave him the this. number nine? shirt, the number right? Nine? they already gave him the number nine. I, I, look I, at that. I, 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 oh, they just mysteriously, hey, you're in town? Come check out a game. We're, we're huge league unfans. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. All right, okay. What uh, are you saying? U.S. soccer got him tickets? <laughs> I, I think it's highly unlikely. Hey, look, look <laughs> uh, oh, oh, Would that high, be a recruiting it's violation? Orlando! Listen, the official visit is on, all right? Mm-hmm. This is what you do when you go visit colleges, right, Seth? This is what you did, right? The recruiting visit, you get to know. L- listen, listen, just for a second. Uh-huh. You're trying to tell me he had his sights set on the England full team. That didn't happen. He gets called into the U21 team. Marcus Rashford gets injured and nobody gets called up. And then it is a cryptic message by Balogun on his Instagram stories where he talks about going where he's appreciated, he wants to feel the love and then he decides to fly mm-hmm. 10 hours, more than 7,000 miles across the Atlantic to Orlando where the US Masters national team is based and actually stays at the same resort that the US Masters team is staying in because he wants to feel the sun on his international break are there no places around the world besides Orlando one could go to? Don't hate
4: on Orlando. Don't hate on Orlando. Lots to do. Lots, to do.
1: Lots to do in Orlando. But
4: this man Don't wants to who feel signs the checks. love.
1: And the last draw may have been Rashford out, nobody in. Mm. And now he's over here and the coach of the U21s in England has no idea what he's doing here and doesn't know if anything's going on and looks really uncomfortable when he's talking about it. Read between the lines. Yeah. There is talk. Absolutely. Anthony Hudson has told you. Christian Pulisic has told you that he's not spoken to him, but he knows a lot of people on that U.S. men's <laughs> national team who have spoken to him. This is getting close. Mm-hmm. It's an international official visit. It's like a recruitment. They're getting to know each other and the process that comes with it. He didn't have to mysteriously have a knock and pull out of that tournament or pull out of that uh, national team, U21s with England. He's here now. Mm-hmm. That shows you that he's interested. Whatever happens, if you're asking right now who has the upper hand, yeah, it's the United States.
4: I want a commitment, Hark. I, I, I want a commitment here. Let me ask you this: How much do Dude, you so think? Needy. How much do you think the absence of a manager right now is impacting this decision? Right? Because it seems like there's a lot of momentum around him wanting to potentially join this program. If you were in his shoes, if you were a player and you were looking at your different options. Would the fact that one team doesn't have a, a manager, maybe even beyond that, a sporting director, I don't know if he really cares about that, w- would that be a reason to, to pause? And if so, that would worry me a little bit if I were a U.S. fan because it, it, it lets other teams potentially get their act together and get back in the mix.
1: I said the same thing with sendejas That would be a reason for me to pause. sendejas should have, this, I said this in this moment, right? Wait a second. One team doesn't have a sporting director nor a coach. You know, like I want to see what happens here. That's not the case anymore because he's been talking to Greg Berhalter and Anthony Hudson was with him with Greg Berhalter and now Anthony Hudson is in communication and there seems to be a lot of communication with the U.S. Men's National Team players. I, I think he's gone past of this of like, well, the next coach could impact this decision. Right. right. I, I think he's already past that. I think he's yeah. thinking, all right, where do we go from here? Yeah. He left one team's camp, didn't want to be in one
4: team's camp, just to be around the other team's camp, right? I think that tells you something. Also, we gave credit to some of the internet sleuths. Let's just generally give credit to USMNT fandom online, Herc. We know it's been called toxic in the past. If you see Balogun's Instagram right now, it is blown up with U.S. fans. If he ends up choosing the U.S., and remember the I want to feel appreciated, the U.S. fans on social media definitely played a role. They're letting him know he would be beloved
1: here. Don't let anybody tell you how to enjoy your football. There is no gatekeeping when it comes to Mm. this. You Mm. enjoy it however you see fit responsibly. Okay.
4: Enjoy responsibly. Great, great advice from one Hercules Gomez. All right. Uh, Lots of people are talking about Greg Berhalter, Herc. And lots of people have very nice things to say about the man who managed the U.S. men's national team at the last World Cup. Added to that list today, Tim Ream and Matt Turner. Let's listen in.
6: I think bringing him back is is a familiarity um it's you know the togetherness that he brought to the to the team um after it was very very much kind of sporadic and and um fractured um when he when he first came in and it was a a big transition with with a lot of new guys coming into the program i think he he did a fantastic job in, in that aspect and um, you know he put and laid very very good foundations for for the team um, whether he comes back or not is you know for, for us as players it uh, I've said this previously it's not it's not something that that we, we really worry about um, or are concerned um, about because it's not you know it's not our job to hire um, you know that for that position so um Listen. Who, if they bring him back, obviously we'll, we'll we'll continue to work on him. If if they don't, we'll continue to work under somebody else. And that's just that's the nature of, of what we do as as players. Um, that's the nature of the sport. There's you know sometimes there's continuity and sometimes there's change. And you know we'll we'll roll with with whatever happens. Obviously, it is it is unfortunate. And I think everything that he built um, from the outside, it's not as clear. Um, the connection that he created amongst the group, um, the selections, um, the like-mindedness of people. um, And it it became like this culture that sort of policed itself in a lot of ways, um, which I think can be pretty rare when it comes to national teams getting together. So um, we're grateful for all the work that he put in and did. And um, I think we really did thrive in the end of it all underneath, it, underneath his, um, his during his tenure and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the future holds.
4: Okay, Eric, there we have it. More players publicly backing Greg Berholt, who is still a candidate yeah. for the U.S. job. Something, nothing, or everything?
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's something. Absolutely. It can't be nothing when when yeah. pillars of the U.S. Ms. National come out and talk, right? Um, each and every single one of the players that we've heard, Christian Pulisic, Um, Matt Turner, Tim Ream have spoken positively about the return of Greg Berhalter. There's a reason for that. Now, each one feels a debt to Greg Berhalter. Christian Pulisic has found a coach who trusts him, who believes in him, who, who, who's patient with him, who's given leadership responsibility, something that he's not had, uh, in his club career, uh, for, for a lot of that, uh, Tim Ream uh, and Greg Berhalter probably saw a piece of him, a piece of who he was as a player in Tim Ream, and gave him the opportunity as um, a player in his mid-30s to play in a World Cup, which Tim Ream took full advantage of and earned uh, very well. Uh, He he gave him that responsibility, he gave him plenty of opportunities, and then you look at Matt Turner, it was Greg Berhalter who literally left Zach Steffen at home, Mm -hmm. not even on the bench, left him at home so Matt Turner can feel like the clear-cut number one, at the World Cup, each one feels a sense of debt to Greg Burhalter and I understand what it's like. They're good people; they're good pros. I will never say anything bad about Jurgen Klinsmann. Jurgen Klinsmann showed me a confidence uh, when I was playing for him. I started like 13 straight games and like that with Jurgen Klinsmann. It's very difficult for me to say anything negative about Jurgen Klinsmann because of how he treated me, because of how I was in his system. This is the same type of thing. These are good professionals. They're never going to go out and just bash Greg Burhalter. But Tim Ream says it himself. It's not up to them to decide. And wherever they go, they're going to be good pros. But this is something, absolutely. Yeah. What about from the prospective sporting
4: director's position, right? You're, you're now in charge of this team. How much weight does what these players are saying? Like, if we have a near-unanimous pool of U.S. guys backing Burhalter as the new sporting director, do you have to bring him back?
1: No, absolutely not. Just so don't listen to the players? Well, No, I mean, I, I don't I – don't, unless this is extremely to, uh, an extremely toxic situation, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, within the locker room, you're never going to see players say, hey, don't do it, get rid of them. That's never really the case, Seb. Do you know what I mean? So it shouldn't be the case because – Sure, I
4: think this is a little bit more than just not saying get rid of them. These are guys publicly backing a coach who's embroiled in a controversy, by the way. Like, this, I don't think it's easy for these guys to take this stand.
1: Well – it was easy enough where they took the stand. You know, the first opportunity they were asked about it. That's how easy it was for them, Seb. And I agree with what you're saying. The sporting director has a choice to make because regardless of how serious or not you thought the situation was or reading the report you still think it is, there are going to be many sponsors who are going to say, hey, that's not where we want to go with this. And the sporting mm-hmm. director's job is also financial. So how do you deal with the program going forward and how do you handle the backlash that they may come with bringing Greg Berhalter back? So it's not just... What three players say there's a lot of things that take into account here but because it's only three players and if i'm the sporting yeah. director i'd say hey i appreciate the feedback i appreciate your input but i'll take it from here
4: yeah honestly dude i think there's a as every day ticks on i think there's a, a more real and real chance that greg baralter ends up as the u.s mm-hmm. men's national team manager. May,
1: yeah could but be
4: that, i think i think one thing is the news cycle right the news cycle is going to kind of bury everything that happened not just what happened between him and the Reynas, but the domestic violence issue as well. And if you think about it, Herc, remember when the investigation was ongoing, and I wasn't on air when the results of the investigation were released, we assumed that U.S. Soccer was kind of keeping Greg Berhalter close for legal reasons, right? But now the investigation's done, and they're still keeping him alive as a candidate. And they went as far, Herc, in that investigation, which is an investigation into domestic violence, to say that they were impressed with the guy who committed the act of domestic violence.
1: Well, that's, the, that's, report, the report indicated that not U.S. soccer. Right. The report came away that's an after independent, an investigation. Has nothing to do with U.S. soccer, though. Uh, they paid for it,
4: <laughs> and they released it, and they published it. I, what do you mean? I, okay, they're, doing, they're, doing, uh, they're going way overboard to rehab Greg Berhalter's image. Why else would you do that? Because obviously obviously it could cause problems, as you mentioned, sponsors, fans, whatever. Why would you do that if you're not legitimately keeping him around? Hell of a coincidence if they if they go out and hire a sportsology, hire a sporting director, and that person happens to bring back the same coach as the as the process in 2018. Yeah, what, but I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me at this point.
1: What I will say here is is you can't, like, who's gonna make the call if he's no longer a candidate? Because that's not supposed to be their job. You know what I mean? If you can make the call, he's no longer a candidate, just go out and pick the coach yourself, if that's that's the case. So I understand the frustration by many, but it's it's a non issue at the moment until it is. Let's move on, Herc, to something a little more light, something you know all about. No.
4: Social media stardom and getting CONCACAF. <laughs> I guess you're a big fan of uh, iShow Speed here. You'll have to tell me more about him later. Uh, taking in some Premier League action, and I guess at some point working his way through the Fulham team sheet and not exactly nailing Anthony Robinson. Let's uh, let's listen into I show speed.
0: We got Tim Ring. You know him. Thirteen. Yes, sir. Crap. We got Antonio Robin. Come on. Wait. Come on, Anthony Robinson, That's- USA. He's one of yours. Oh, yes, he's American? Of course he is. Oh, he's in the squad. Oh, my fault.
4: <laughs> you got um... Concacaft. Oh, sorry, Jedi. Uh, not, not, not quite on the level of fame that I show speed would, would need to nail that pronunciation. All right, so what do we got here? Argentina, Panama. Oh, Lionel Messi getting taken down. He's getting CONCACAFed here. Jeez. What kind of tackle is that? <laughs> what are you doing? Who, did, who got the worst of it, Messi or the other Panamanian player? No, Messi. Like, why are you? Why is he even complaining? I heard him, Messi. Do what you uh, do. You can't, you're can't. you not allowed to do that. Uh, how's that for goalkeeping? Did he, did he stand still enough?
2: <laughs> did I mean, he show enough he,
4: respect? What are you going to do there? <laughs> he took out his cell phone and took a picture is what Talk he could have done. Like, about goal. Pobrecito. Yeah, let's give uh, Thiago Almada some love there. The uh, Atlanta United star, Messi. No surprise there. Beautiful set piece. And uh, Argentina celebrating their World Cup win with a, a victory over Panama. Club football returns April 1st. Der Klassiker Bayern Munich with a new manager, by the way, against Borussia Dortmund. Maybe we we'll get a uh, Alfonso davies Giorena showdown for the top spot in the Bundesliga. Again, that's Saturday, April 1st, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific on ABC.
0: Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Herc,
4: it is time to make some picks. The NWSL season is kicking off this weekend. Time for a quick segment of Book It. I will mention this before we get started. Very difficult, Herc, to find odds, at least like futures odds, right? Who's going to win the league? Who's going to win MVP for the NWSL? The stuff we're about to talk about. The league needs to be better about that. The books need to be better about that. Give us. Give us the content we need. We need, we need that. All right. I did have find some interesting lines for this weekend, though. huh? This okay. weekend they got lines, just not for the season. Who's your NWSL MVP? Well, oh, hold on, hold on. Let me get the nominee. These are the five nominees from last year. So we're, we're, we're kind of limiting the field. Naomi Gurma, Davinia, who's changed teams to Kansas City. Mallory Swanson, formerly Pew, Sophia Smith, and Alex Morgan. Who you
1: got? Uh, I'm going Sophia Smith. I'm going back-to-back MVP campaigns for Sophia Smith. Listen, uh, when you're an MVP candidate, you got to have a good team around you. And, mm-hmm. and Portland's one of the best teams, if, if not the best, just on paper. Sophia Smith, I firmly believe the reason we were talking about Mallory Swanson and the U.S. wins national team and how good she was as of late was because Sophia Smith was injured. She had a foot injury, wasn't there. I expect her to come back to her winning ways. She's been there, done that. I think she's going to come into her own even more with a stellar team like Portland. It's an easy choice for me. All right. Hard, I mean, hard
4: hard to bet against Sophia Smith. One, because she's a, uh, a recent guest on Football Americas, right. but also uh, because she is uh, coming off that great season in 2022, both club and on the international Who scene. are you take But I, I will disagree with you. I will disagree oh, with you. Shocking. I'm going with Mallory Swanson, of course, uh, formerly Mallory Pugh. Why? Well, one, because she's been close, right? Last year, a finalist, I think she was second in 2021, and I expect more from her in 2023. By the way, I'm not saying that just because of what she did last year, right? She's already off to an incredible start so far, uh, at least at the international level, so far in 2023. She was the MVP of the She Believes Cup for the U.S., eight goals in six games. Uh, to start the calendar year here for the United States. And she's been very, very good in front of goal. That's that's a real difference in Mallory Swanson's game is the clinical finishing grade article in The uh, Athletic right now that's from right. Kim McCauley on that. So I got to go with Mallory Swanson here. Uh, it's a pretty easy pick uh, for me as the MVP. All right, final, Herc. Who you got making the final? And then who do you have winning it? November 11th, I believe,
1: will be the NWSL championship game what there's two there's two uh was it last year's expansion teams are now candidates for the final what's up with production Mm. uh listen i'm taking portland thorns to go back Uh Uh, listen what can you say about that roster sophia smith mvp you have uh sinclair crystal dunn sorry did you just criticize production and then pick angel city (laughs) hold on I'm, i'm gonna get to it i've spoken about Portland. Everybody knows how good Portland. And by the way, once that sell, because it's going to be imminent, once that sell goes through, they're going to be even better than they were before. It's going to be a ridiculous thing in Portland. Angel City. Angel City had a problem last year. They couldn't finish. Okay? Uh, It's a team that Put on a great show. I went to a lot of games, but couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Cindy LaRue came in, and now she have a full season. On top of Cindy LaRue, you're going to get Kristen Press back. Kristen Press, who, if she's anywhere near the level she was before that injury, can do wonders for this team. And Alyssa Thompson, who I have no doubt mm-hmm. is Rookie of the Year candidate level. Six and a half is the over-under of goals that I put for her. I think she'll take the over on that. I really have big hopes for this player. She's a star in the making. But I think this is a championship team in the making. They won't win it, but I think they'll get there.
4: Wow. Portland, Angel City. That would be a dream final, I think, for some folks at the NWSL front offices. I'm going to give you a little different final. And I'm going to go with two teams that have, uh, again, kind of like in my pick for Mallory Swanson, MVP, been very close in recent years. I'm going Kansas City. Against OL Rain. Of course, Kansas City makes the final last year, loses to Portland, who you picked to make it back to the final. Uh, and OL Rain, your Shield winners last mm-hmm. year, second in the league before that, but have bowed out in the semifinals each of the last two years. Some bad luck in the postseason. They got a good manager, though, uh, Laura Harvey, a very, very savvy manager, so I think they'll be back in that mix. And I like them this year to get over the hub. And reach the final. As far as Kansas City is concerned, there's two reasons I'm picking this team. And there's a lot of credit that goes to organizations like San Diego and Angel City for all that they've done, moving the league forward. They sell a lot of tickets. The investment Kansas City is making in facilities, right, mm-hmm. real facilities, is game-changing, and I think that investment is going to be rewarded. Plus, you bring an MVP-caliber player in Dabniya into the mix on a team that was in the finals. A year ago, I, I, I like Kansas City and O.L. Reign uh, to make a run to the finals. And if it is O.L. Reign, maybe a little last dance magic for Megan Rapinoe coming there off you go. Uh, her World Cup uh, inspire City, them to On Kansas
1: City, what run. I love about NWSL is the parody. They went from like worst to being a contender mm-hmm. in the final the next year.
4: Yeah. And what I don't like about the NWSL is the parody. As a Washington Spirit fan, they went from winning it all in 2021 to a terrible season <laughs> you go. in 2022. Why did you pick
1: Washington then?
4: Steady, steady, (laughs) I don't want want to jinx them. Uh, More NWSL news. San Diego Wave have signed 15-year-old forward, Melanie Barsenas, to a three-year contract, making her the youngest player ever to sign a pro deal with the NWSL. She's played for the United States at youth national team level, and joins San Diego thanks to the NWSL's new under 18 entry mechanism, which we're seeing more and more of across the league. Speaking of the NWSL, we've got an NWSL Liga MX Femenil transfer, Scarlett Cambreros, making the move from Club America to Angel City. The reason why here, Herc, is scary. Cambreros leaving Club America over safety concerns after the Mexican international was a victim of repeated online harassment, including one individual who harassed and threatened Cambreros and even hacked her social media accounts. Cambreros is Mexican-American. She played her college ball at UC Irvine, so a a bit of a coming home for her. Uh, Let's take a look at the statement from Club America, which includes Herc, a plea to lawmakers to more aggressively legislate when it comes to violence against women, including uh, in the online forum. So, Herc, recently there feels like there's been a lot of positive momentum around Liga Mekis Femenil, but where do you think this leaves the future of the league?
1: It's, it's it's really sad and also embarrassing because the way that the league responds when they finally put out a statement mm. it, it is they're like wishing her well and then boasting the numbers of her minutes played and like the social numbers online and whatnot. It's an embarrassment on all accounts. How can you say, look at our league, look how great it is if you can't protect your women, if you can't protect your players. Yeah. In recent memory, it's Scarlett Camberos, Selene Valera, it's Greta Espinosa, Norma Palafox, Jana Gutierrez, so many women that have played in Liga MX Femenil that have not been protected, that have received some sort of harassment or gone further than that, where they had to go to the authorities and haven't felt protected by said authorities. In a country like Mexico, it's a very beautiful country, but we know the history with feminis- uh, femicide in Mexico. We know the history of them not being able to protect their women. And now it's bleeding over to Liga MX Femenil. Yeah. It's sad. It's disheartening as a father of a little girl. Uh, it, how can you say, look at this product? Because it's such a great product. You look at what they, how they play on the field, the, the product that you see on the stands, and, and say, come watch. Come yeah. be part of this environment if you can't protect your players.
4: This is potentially crippling, devastating, I think, to Liga MX Femenil. All that momentum that we talked about, um, you can just throw it out the window because you won't be able to recruit, right? This is a Mexican-American player. I'm sure word about this is going to get around. Liga MX Femenil draws a lot of Mexican-American players. It's not going to help them. And we've seen recently Liga MX Femenil make some big splashes. You go out and sign a Jenny Hermoso. If this is what people around the world start to hear about this league, I'm sorry. The Jenny Hermosos of the world um, are not going to be coming, and that's going to be a a major setback for this league. I hope, I hope, Herc, that Liga Mekis Femenil and the bosses, who of course are there, you know, involved with Liga Mekis as well, take this as seriously, and they throw up all the bad signals and all the alarms that they did after the Querétaro. Incident. Remember a year ago. Remember the reaction, at least publicly, from Miguel Arriola and all those guys after what happened in Querétaro. This is this is th- this is that serious, right? This this puts the future of Liga MX Feminine yeah, in Seb. jeopardy to me, and they Seb. need to react accordingly.
1: If, if reacting accordingly is shushing the players, then because mm. that's what they're doing. The league hey. is. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just, that, that's what they're doing. It, it, it's, it's sad, it, this isn't a situation where this player was harassed online. This individual would show up to the places she was at. He would stalk her. There was a restraining order on him. He then hacks her accounts and then falsifies information, posts pictures, et cetera, completely ruined her life where she wanted to uproot and leave a country because she mm. felt unsafe. She's one of many women who have felt this way not just in Mexico, but in Liga MX, yes. We're talking about playing a sport. You should, never, you should never feel unsafe because of a sport. It's embarrassing.
4: Yeah. Uh, club América is not just a soccer club, by the way. huh? It's also linked to a television network. It's a very powerful entity culturally in Mexico. So if Club América uh, you know, can move some of its pieces, maybe something can be done to, to, to better the situation for the players there in Liga MX, feminine. All right, check the mentions where <laughs> you send us all the best uh, to finish up the show. I got a What are we looking at here? Uh, are you cool with Jignac breaking a kid? I guess this is Jignac in Tigres practice, just taking somebody out.
1: Yeah, honestly, I've been on both sides of this. Um, You should never try to hurt your teammate, let's just say that. There's this ideology of young players earning their place. I'm sure he was frustrated about something. I've been the young player who's received Mm -hmm. that treatment, and it's almost like a rite of passage. By no means is it a correct thing to do, but I've also been the veteran player like to get in on a young player so he knows his place. You have to kind of... Measure and be mm-hmm. well-intentioned with, with what you're trying to do, he kind of lost it there. Um, yeah. It happens to the best of everybody. Andre Pierre Gignac is one of the absolute best. I'm sure it's not his finest moment. I'm sure he's going to learn from this and probably apologize because he's a stand-up guy. Uh, who'd you clean out in practice? Give us a good one. Who's your best practice clean out? Candido Ramirez and Santos. I'll tell you a funny story really quickly. Uh, I, Michael Harrington and myself, uh, we were friends. Well, we are friends. And, and, and we, we got tough in one training session, like we were gonna do something, you know? I was a little bit older, almost like, you know, late 20s, he was like early 20s. And all of a sudden, you know, pushing each other, like we're gonna do something, and everybody's like come in like, ah, oh, no, break it up. And we're sitting here like, no, let me go. Peter Vermes comes over, let him go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Michael Harrington and I kind of both looked at each other like, man, you lucky, you know? like. <laughs> Like, what do you do? Like, it's all uh, over. That's
4: it. Tough yeah. guy, Hercules Gomez. All right, uh, what's next on Check Dimensions here on Football Americas? Okay, Jogotaka, frequent contributor, asks sometimes uses uh, two striker Feinort sometimes uses two strikers, playing Santi Jimenez. Uh, next to Danilo, would a Santi Jimenez Henry Martin partnership work up front? You from shouldn't have the question in the segment, Seb. Yes, yes. Uh, could it work? What do you think? Well, I
1: answered. You tell
4: me what you yes. think. You didn't answer. Um, well, to your point about the 5-3-2 the that we saw in Atlas, it, it wouldn't really be the same, right? You'd really have to have somebody that performs a different role to be the Quiñones type. There isn't a Quiñones okay, in the pool. Okay, let me change it for you. But it's an Antuna or a Chuki. I, would like, I wouldn't like. I would mind seeing let this. Let it for very, you. They're very goal-dangerous players.
1: I love it. Let me change it for you. Mm-hmm. Would you accept, because there's a lot of talk about Julio Furch and Quiñones being Mexican naturalized citizens. Would you accept them on national Let's go. Okay. The deeper the pool gets, the better. Honestly,
4: as as far as this is concerned, I would love to see it just because I'm desperate, Herc. I'm desperate to see something different up top, and it's been a while since we saw Tridente that worked it all for Mexico. Last question here on Check Dimensions on this Thursday edition of Football Américas. Can a U.S., Mexico, and Canada combined... Team uh, and it still wouldn't win the World Cup. Am I wrong? Come on, Shank. Open that. Or where's your Concacaf pride, Herc? What do you think? A Concacaf, USA, Mexico, best combined squad. How would they do in a World Cup?
1: No, no, no. And, and I mean, we're have... talking about
4: the USA maybe making a semifinal run in 2026. You don't think a, a combined 11 could no could get to a final? No, win it I said
1: all? win it. Now, it didn't say get to a final, it said win it. It didn't say make a semi-final appearance, it said win it. There's a big mm-hmm. difference between a semi-final appearance and actually winning it. And until your club, your team, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say club, until your national team, until your actual team that you have, have the majority of its players and they're all elite world-class players, until there's one world-class player, no. That the, the issue is no. It'd be very difficult. I don't think there's ever been a, a nation to win a World Cup without an, or like a world-class player. Okay, there we have it.
4: it'd uh, be an interesting 11. We should do that exercise sometime. I'm sure it would be good. And, a, and an interesting 18 and an interesting 26 beyond that. All right, uh, Monday night, Herc, a programming note. Different time than usual. Usually we're 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. We're going to be on uh, right around 9.15, 9.30 Eastern time, 6.30 Pacific in the immediate aftermath of the United States against El Salvador from Orlando. And then tomorrow night, Herc, we're doing this dance on the ESPNFC YouTube channel. You and I will be live over there immediately after the United States against Grenada, taking comments, all sorts of uh, interactive fun. Herc, final words on this edition of the show are yours.
1: I don't want them. <laughs> all right, that's it for Herc. I'm Seb. We'll see you on Monday. Have a good weekend.